gonna do us some theme music really quick. Welcome to the Out Loud and Awkward Podcast, where one grown man sits in his own basement and talks about everything he loves. I am your host, hostess with the mostest, Richard, and with me is a special guest tonight for the third time in a row. Round of applause for... Cheyenne. You're very quiet again. I'm not trying to be. Oh, you just are. At least coming through on the headset, but... Honestly, and I feel like you should stop calling me a special guest at this point. I'm a regular. Uh, yeah, for for now. For now? <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's nah. Fine. Uh, no, but, uh, special guest. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad you could be here for this momentous occasion, I guess. Is it? <laughs> Nothing happening. <laughs> Nothing at all. Um, what have you been up to? You... You don't know how this starts, but the guests, the the listeners, they do. What have you been up to this week? What I have you been watching? I've been on here reading? three times now. I know. You, kn- you do know. You should. At this point, I would expect you to know. Well, I am currently watching Outer Banks Season 3, along with The Last of Us that we've been watching together. I'm only like three episodes in to Outer Banks, but it's good. I like it. I think it's starting to get a little bit odd like we're starting to get a little far out of left field but yeah i still like it and then we're continuing with the last of us what are we on like i don't know what episode we're on like five six um i think we're, we're oh hold on i just unplugged my mic hold on i was trying to fix yours because you were sounding super quiet on my end so i was trying to turn you up some uh i think we're on maybe six i know we're two episodes behind right now so yeah uh, wherever it's at currently with everything that we're two episodes behind, I know that. Um, what else you've been doing? I'm currently How reading. You're only like two episodes into Outer Banks, though, right? Like two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying it so far? You gotta give us your thoughts, feedback. I said that I liked it. It's just oh, starting I to go a little bit. I was messing with the yeah, audio. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just starting to go a little bit like in a weird direction. I feel like like it's starting to get super. I feel like I've heard people kind of say that about this. I'm new worried season. that it's going to start giving it, so like a, a Riverdale vibe, and I don't Ooh. want that. Ooh. I don't think some that it's people there. like Riverdale, though. I know, but like, I don't know. I just feel like it's starting to get that kind vibe. of vibe. And I wasn't a fan of Riverdale, so I'm kind of worried for that. But yeah, it might not. I might have like a. It may still. And I'm only around. like two and a half know. episodes in. So yeah, like, you never know what's going to happen. But I'm also <laughs> reading. Get my phone really close to my face because I don't know what it's called. It's called No More Secrets by Lucy Score. Um, it's another one of those like rom com type books. Yeah. But the Lucy Score is the author of the Things We Never Got Over or something along those lines. That she now has a second book out, and so I started reading this in anticipation for for that for the second book, and it's already out. But now I haven't finished this one, so I have to finish this one so that I can read the. The second one to the other. Gotcha. So, yeah. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Interesting. Um, I know for me, uh, kind of doing the same thing that I've always been doing, you know, reading Black Clover, reading One Piece, this, that, and the other. Um, still staying caught up on Vinland Saga. I'm kind of liking it more, the second season more. It's definitely started slow, but I'm liking it as it's picking up. Uh, Blue Lock, I think it's still as good as it was when I first started it. I think it's just... 
a really interesting show. It's basically a sports anime that, I mean, I don't think any of them are really bad. I even like Slam Dunk, and it's old. Um, what else? Uh, right, keeping up with The Last of Us, uh, Bad Batch. I've been keeping up with that, which is the uh, one of the Clone Wars sequels, uh, and it looks... I mean, it, it, it's all right. It definitely falls into that trope of every Star Wars where there's not... It always feels like the galaxy doesn't have a lot going on, even though there's definitely supposed to be a lot happening, and it's just kind of weird. They're just doing these weird backwater-like projects for this creature named Sid and they're just trying to raise money to kind of live on their own and not have to deal with the Empire or anything like that which eventually I think because as of right now this is a spoiler so if you want to skip ahead a little bit I'll make it quick but like uh, I did not mean to breathe so heavily into the mic there uh, but like Echo has diverted off of their group which he was a he joined in kind of later but then he's left and kind of went with Rex to do their own things and to save other clones from the empire because the empire are just going to start killing off the clones pretty much and so there's that and then you have the like the original group minus uh the sniper which i can't remember his name uh right now but they're doing like their own thing and i feel like eventually either they're going to kind of break up and go their own separate ways or they're going to stay together and they're basically going to form their own little rebellion pretty much that kind of go coincide with the rebellion that you know Leia Organa and the rest of them are like kind of fighting in towards uh the other thing I'm definitely looking forward to that comes out same day that this is releasing is the uh Mandalorian season three and I know it's one of my friends he doesn't Christian he doesn't really like that show he's not big into Star Wars anyways but we tried getting him to watch that, and he he didn't have too much of a fun time watching it. But, you know, I enjoy it. It's a good kind of like a Western spin on Star Wars, and I like Pedro Pascal as Mandalorian, and I just like Pedro Pascal, and I've been getting Pedro Pascal TikToks for the past, like, month. This whole February has just been Pedro Pascal, like, all over my For You page on TikTok, and I'm okay with it, absolutely okay with it, so... I don't mind it at all. <laughs> um, what else have I been doing? Uh, ooh, did not mean to that. Uh, I've been still watching some of the. Oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia here and there, here and there every once in a while, and then you know playing video games, streaming where I can. So it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying doing all of that, and we went to watch one, the topic of today's podcast. We went to go watch Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania here recently, and is it Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania, or just Ant Ant Man? Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay, I didn't Quantum realize it was Ant Man and yeah. the Wasp. I thought it was just gonna because they carried it over from like what the last one. Was I mean, that makes titled. sense. I just don't think I realized that. <clears throat> um, but do you want to go ahead and just you know get into the topic? I guess because I mean I've already introduced it, so let's just get into it. You know? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to give my thoughts first, or do you want me to just kind of give my thoughts and you just kind of bounce off what I say? Yeah, How let's do you try do that. This? Okay. I'm going to be really honest. I forget most movies about three hours after I watch them. Yeah. Until I get like a little refresher. So I feel like you talking will give me a little refresher and then I can remember what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you can kind of go off that however you want. Um, so, I mean, I want to start off by saying this movie, uh, I thought it was really good. I mean, I did, uh, not really good. I that's that's I guess that's a step too far for me. 
I had fun with this movie. That's what I mean to say. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It wasn't too comical. It wasn't too crazy. It wasn't too way outside of the box or anything like that. It had its funny moments. It had its good action pieces. But overall, it was just kind of a, you know, set in the middle MCU movie. Which, to be totally honest, all of the Ant-Man movies have kind of been like that. They've all been kind of like set in the middle of the road MCU movies they've never been that bad in my opinion and they've never been that great either so it's kind of just like I enjoy it and I would watch this again and actually still enjoy watching it um and I mean it it follows the tale of like Ant-Man and the Wasp they find themselves stuck within the quantum realm and they interact with these strange like new different creatures and they kind of go off on this whole like adventure throughout the quantum realm and then eventually you meet the big foe of the movie who is Kang the Conqueror played by the amazing Jonathan Majors that's all I gotta say on that one is I love Jonathan Majors I love what he did and I think he did a great job um now overall the movie felt weird in places and I think for me what felt the weirdest was was it Janet Van Dyne, the mom? Yeah. She, okay, what didn't make sense to me, and people have kind of like went on the internet and have kind of explained it here and there, but she, so the movie starts obviously with Ant-Man going on his daily life kind of events and then his daughter gets into some trouble. It turns out that her, her his daughter and Hank Pym have been working secretly on this communicator to the quantum realm. And then Janet Van Dyne freaks out about that. What gets me is that in the last one, Janet Van Dyne was totally fine with sending Scott Lang into, which wasn't exactly the quantum realm. He was more in like a time paradox of the quantum realm. So it's a little different. So maybe she was more okay with that than sending him fully into the quantum realm. But she was totally okay with sending him that far into it. But the second that we decide, like, we're going to start talking to people inside of this thing, she freaks out. And I didn't get I kind of thought that, like, I did feel like I didn't get that vibe just because, like, she was okay with sending people there. She wasn't okay with people having a way into our world. And that was yeah, kind of the way that, that I took sense. it. Like, there was a difference in, like, going there and then, let, like, ha- yeah. allowing a source of communication out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't see so, that. So, like, that's kind of how I that. thought of it. So then... Because obviously we learned that the whole reason that she's freaking out is because she is part of the reason that King the Conqueror has taken over the quantum realm. And like they go into detail and everything on that and I thought it was really good and everything. But it just felt weird to me how she just changed up immediately from like one movie to the other. But the theory that I've seen is that so... The events of Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is the second Ant-Man movie, takes place in the 616 universe. And this, like, goes into, like, a whole, like, weird multiversal theory type of thing. And so you have that, and then you skip forward a little bit. You have all the events of Infinity War, Endgame, all of that stuff take place in 616. But then you get to the Loki series finale. Now, this is where people say that things changed in the MCU. Because... When, what is the female Loki's name? I forgot her name. <laughs> Loki? No, she, <laughs> I know she had uh, Sylvie. Yeah. When Sylvie kills, he, 
Who Remains, Mm -hmm. which was a variant of King the Conqueror. Um, When she killed him, it basically split the multiverse because the He Who Remains basically made the 616 universe secular. Like, no Kang could come in. Like, nothing can interfere with this universe is basically how he had it set up until he died. Once he said, like, once I die, it's free reign. Like, anybody, like, the Kangs, like, the evil versions of me, the variants of me can come here and they can take over. They can do whatever they want. And so what people have said is that the events that, because that happened, we basically kind of shifted into a different, like, reality, like, multiversal reality in the MCU. So then when Janet originally in Ant-Man and the Wasp was in the quantum realm, there was no Kang. There was no Kang the Conqueror. But because Sylvie killed He Who Remains, that affected her back here, allowing this Kang to jump back because, you know, he had the time yeah. and everything. And allowed the like, whole multiversal shift. And so, like, it basically allowed him to get sent into the 616 universe because he gets outcasted into the quantum realm, which is supposed to be set outside of the whole 616, so this theory doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, like, I understand where they're coming from because it doesn't make sense why in Ant-Man and the Wasp she was a little bit more okay with it versus now she's kind of angrier about the quantum realm and everything. Um, And so there's that theory that because Sylvie kills He Who Remains... It shifted everything, and that's why now she's freaking out because originally there was no Kang the Conqueror, but now because of Sylvie's actions, we meet Kang the Conqueror. And <clears throat> again, I really enjoyed this movie, and there was just some little nitpicks that I had, kind of like that one. There's a couple other things that just felt like really weird. It felt like um, Michael Douglas, who plays Hank Pym. Most of the movie, it felt like he just did not want to be there. He felt very much kind of like how Han Solo felt in Episode Seven. He just wanted to die. Like he, he was like, "Just kill my character at this point." Like he just doesn't want to be there. It felt like. See, I felt like that was his general. Like that's been his personality and in all of the true. movies, Maybe though. Like he's just kind of like. Eh. Yeah, I don't. know. It just felt weird. Like he was just kind of like he's always it. been grumpy. Like I don't know. It just felt like in terms of acting, it just felt like it wasn't the best Michael Douglas that I've seen in the Ant-Man movie. It just felt like he was kind of phoning it in and just doing whatever he kind of wanted. And, and I, I mean, I if that's what you want to do, do it. I don't care. Like, do what you got to do. I still enjoyed him in it. I thought he did an okay job. It just felt weird at times. Like, he was just kind of phoning it in and not wanting to be there. Um, but it definitely had some, like, cool character cameos because we see Randall Park as, um, what's his character? Woo? Jimmy Woo? in the MCU he plays he's in the WandaVision TV mm-hmm. show and he's in the other Ant-Man movies it's cool to see him kind of come back and do something in I this. did not realize he was in this movie yeah he was he went to dinner with uh, Scott Lang during the beginning it was like a quick like you don't see I him I didn't even it. see that yeah no he's like in it for a minute and then kind of like skipped out <clears throat> but like we go through the whole like beginning sequence with like Scott Lang going throughout his life and he's doing his own thing and the daughter and then they eventually Something happens. We find out why they get sucked into it, but they get pulled in from this communicator, pulled into the quantum realm. And it's basically the entire Ant Man family. You got Hank Pilm, Scott Lang, uh, K. 
Cassie Lang, yeah. uh, Janet Van Dyne, and uh, Hope Hope yep. Van Dyne all get pulled into the quantum realm, and that's where we with meet the like, ants. With the ants, yeah, ants. <laughs> I saw. Okay, I'll, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Um, but like, we get pulled into this quantum realm, and Cassie and Scott be kind of are their own team, and then you have the Janet and Hope Van Dyne with Hank. Pym, like they're their own team as well and so you have these two separate teams that are going like kind of on their own little adventures kind of thing and not that like I had a problem with it but it felt like the movie was going by so fast that so, like and it makes sense because she had been there for yeah. what 30 years mm-hmm. I can't remember and so she knows her way around it it just felt like everything was so conveniently like they would immediately go from this area. Okay, we're here to meet these people, to talk to these people. They know me. I'm going to cut off this guy's arm. We're buddy-buddy because we've, we've done this before type of thing. It just felt weird and rushed to I me. I remember that you talked about this and you said that it felt rushed and like... Or you said that like there wasn't an explanation for it, and I was like, I feel like that was the explanation. Yeah, that was that was she had just, been there for thirty years, so like we would expect her to be comfortable yeah, in that in in that in universe. That universe. Because if just, she wasn't, that would be more weird. It just felt weird. Like it felt so fast that things were kind of like happening, mm-hmm. and it's not that that was a problem. It just felt very fast paced. That it definitely was. It made it feel a little awkward at times. Like things were too conveniently placed at that like particular moment for them to have it type of thing like it just feels like oh we need this there it is type of thing yeah and I don't always have a problem with that but it just it felt weird I still enjoyed it but it just kind of felt a little off-putting to me and I think the only moment that was like that for me was like there was like a fight scene and then like you see Cassie and then you go back to Scott and then it flips back over to Cassie oh and she gosh. has a suit on yeah and then she was like oh yeah I have a suit and that was literally the yeah. explanation and I was like oh, I wish that would have been a little bit cooler well, they, they talked about it like at the dinner scene during the beginning before they bring up the quantum realm communicator like that she might have a suit but like it's never actually shown or anything and but yeah I felt like things like that just happened so fast and yeah. I was like okay. I feel like that was the only moment for me that I was like dang it like I kind of yeah. wish that that was a little bit more epic <laughs> Um, but I was, so I'm going to call Scott Lang and Cassie's group one or team one and then the others team two, but going off back on team two with, uh, Janet and, uh, Hank, they get to this area after they meet these ravagers, I guess, scavengers. I don't know what they really would be. And they get to this area where it's like a bar. It's basically like the Moss Camp, Mossley Cantina in Star Wars where there's just a bunch of weird looking creatures. There's a broccoli head guy there. There's just a bunch of weird stuff going on. And they go there because they're going to meet Janet's... Somebody that Janet knew Friend, in something, yeah. And the thing... This whole scene pointless. was Pointless. Because I feel like they threw Bill Murray in it because Bill Murray went, I want to be in an MCU movie. And so they put him in it because it's Bill Murray. It's going to sell tickets if you put Bill Murray in the movie. I don't think it does because I don't really care that much for most Bill Murray movies. I don't think... There's not like a movie that I've seen that I've disliked of his, but I honestly can't name one that I really enjoyed of his. I mean, some of them, like Caddyshack is pretty good. He's in that, but he's not like the star of it, I guess. But, like, his character just felt so unneeded. Like, 
what he does in that movie they set it up as if they're meeting the main guy yeah a big guy and then it's like you can just see him for five minutes well and he's like this character that was part of the rebellion that janet was also part of which kind of gets tied up a little bit and isn't the whole her fleeing and not helping the rebellion isn't explained all that well and it doesn't make any sense to me because like they kind of throw it around and then they kind of ignore the fact that she ditched this whole rebellion and just kind of totally was like yep the people who are in the quantum realm right now with king the conqueror that ain't my problem i'm back with my family they can they can eat it over there and that's kind of what she did and so like you would think that they'd be more pissed off at her than kind of how they were yeah but bill murray's character he comes in and is like yeah we did a lot of things together and it was super weird and cringy and then he says that he joined up with king because of money and then he's gone yeah and that was it and like and the only reason that he was there again this goes into the we need this thing here it is he would just shows up on a ship and leaves a ship parked off the bar, yeah. and so that's how what that's what they used to leave. Mm-hmm. It was just conveniently there. That well, they, and then that did introduce. I mean, not that it was really needed, but that like the goo <clears throat> that they drank to like make them be yeah, able to be understand. Able to communicate. Yeah. yeah. So I get, but but that like I feel like they could have done that anywhere. Yeah, they didn't need Bill Murray's character. In that. <laughs> I just felt like his character wasn't needed. It no. literally could have been anybody, and it wouldn't have changed anything, honestly. And I don't know the whole the the team two's situation. It just felt like a weird subplot. It's like they I had to have them doing something. Didn't care while Scott and Cassie were doing their thing. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. And that was what that was the interesting storyline was what they were doing. What and team two was doing or team one? Team one with Cassie and Scott. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. I think what Cassie and Scott were doing were was way more interesting because it actually followed the story that we wanted and not like this weird Janet not wanting to admit to her family what's been actually going on in the quantum realm. And I get that she's went through a lot. She's been gone for 30 years. But why not just tell them about this guy yeah. who could kill them? Like, why hide it for that long? Just tell them. And then continue to hide it after they were there. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, like, now you, you kind of have to tell, tell them, them like, without trying to hide it. Yeah, and... <clears throat> but that was going, a little odd. The whole Team 2 story, I didn't care too much about. It was... I feel like I we could have just followed Scott and Cassie the whole time. And, and I then like enjoyed it. At some point, like, in at the end had the rest of them come in with the ants or whatever yeah. and then been like oh yeah we were like rallying this army together yeah and like that would have been fine with me I like know. i would have just been like oh, i feel that, like that's it cool. still would have been weird it just it just felt really odd to me that their whole like story that was kind of going on in the background but i mean i have i wouldn't say i have no problems with it because i have a lot of problems with it because i did not enjoy it that much but I mean, I liked what they did because it explains Kings the Conqueror's background eventually, and that's like the main focus of it. That's where like it ends up is that it tells Kang's story and like how he got to the quantum realm and what all happened there and why Janet like helped him basically into power and this that and the other and everything. Um, and then you see like him get his time chair up and running, and then he ends up coming back down and. It, it basically just explains why he's there, how he got there, 
and why now he is the ruler of this quantum realm. And so I liked that part of it, but mostly everything else I could have lived without and just not care. She, if she would have went there and just immediately told them what was going on and then like some small things happen, like they never did the, these two meetups that I didn't care about. Like they just kind of talk about how she knew Kang, what was going on, mm-hmm. and that was that subplot. Now let's go back to Cassie and Scott and do this. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think obviously some people have a different view on that than what I do. Um, but I don't know. Their whole story, it just didn't it just didn't do anything for me. No, I agree. But then Cassie and Scott, because they had the father uh, daughter dynamic and I kind of like that I like seeing that oh, because yeah, obviously did. they had been separated for five years well past five years because he was in prison for years yeah. before it's then. like this whole thing has been leading up to them finally getting to be together yeah and so like there's this like sense of anxiety the whole time that like I was worried the whole time that something was going to either happen to Scott or happen to Cassie and they would would still not get to be together. Yeah, like something would happen to either one of them. So I kind of liked that you were kind of almost on the edge of your seat about about that just because like their history is not good. So like it's like you're bound, something's bound to happen. And so I kind of liked that. But uh, with Cassie and Scott's story that was kind of going on, they obviously get separated from team two and they kind of meet up with the rebels, this mm-hmm. rebel group that have been fighting against Kang for years, trying to take him down because he's basically taken over almost all the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get introduced to a lot of interesting and cool characters where we meet um, <sighs> Humanoid, who is the giant circle head guy that can shoot a giant beam out of his face, which is pretty cool. Uh, we meet uh, Quasar. Think was his name? I can't remember. He was the dude that could read minds. Yeah, he was cool. I thought he was funny. He was like a good, funny aspect. And he was the guy that plays him is in uh, the Good Place. And I was actually kind of hoping that maybe he was going to be the one that ends up taking over for Mister Fantastic kind of thing because I kind of liked his character and his character in this was very similar to what he was in the Good Place. It's very similar, and I liked seeing him on screen. I thought he was funny and did a lot of good things. We meet um, the lady. I can't remember her name. She was cool. But she was super badass. She had a cool like staff that would just annihilate the king's army pretty much. And she was basically the leader of this rebellion. And then we also meet... Is his name Blob? I don't know. Something I can't like that. I remember what his name was. But he was basically like... You would drink his juice or his body, pretty much, and that's how you would communicate. Like you would, it would make it so that you understood all everybody. everybody. Yeah, and he he's like, I have no holes. You have holes. Yeah, yeah, and there's like a whole thing that kind of goes on with that. I thought that was a pretty funny thing, seeing this giant blob guy just kind of like flail around and run everywhere. I thought that was pretty funny. But they meet up with these bandits or this these rebels. Who know who Janet Van Dyne is, and they're kind of like, you know Janet? But they never go into explanation other than, like, she just kind of fled. She left us here on our own. And I'm like, I mean, I get that that's the only explanation that's needed, but I feel like you'd be way more pissed off at her than... I mean, they were. Like, they didn't want to be around Scott and Cassie because they were like, that. They're gonna if you know Janet, you, then yeah. that means that he knows you, you and, and he's coming for you kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of that. forgot... And so, you know, they're talking with these rebels, and then eventually, you know, 
their worry comes to the light mm-hmm. and they get attacked by Kang and well not by Kang by but his men by his army and by uh, a mechanized device made only for killing <laughs> which is Modok and you know we see Modok finally and or it's weird I don't we don't really see Modok at first we mainly just see this army and we see Ant Man or we see Scott Lang and Cassie kind of taking on this fight and Scott's trying to teach his daughter because you know he's never really been there so he's like yeah. teaching her how to he's like you just gotta jump and tap jump and tap and like I thought that was a really cool I yeah, love that I love that moment or that they like shared together like so the, even in like the tap. wake of this like really horrible like fight he's like still, he's still like, trying to teach her and it was really cute lesson. and he's like just jump and tap and that's all you gotta do and like she never really caught on until near the end um, but they go through like this whole fight and then we meet Modok who is played by he, he is uh, uh, Darren is it Darren Strauss? No. Something like that. Hold on. Let me. The I, evil guy from the first one. Yeah, it is. It was. Um, designed only for killing is what I said. Or meant to say. Darren Cross um, is, is. Turns out to be Modoc. That he was Wasp. Or not Wasp. Yellow Jacket in the first movie who gets shrunk down and sent through the quantum realm and like he gets all weird and deformed and we get this weird like butt cheek scene it was not needed it was just no. super weird and like you get this whole scene and I liked Modoc and a lot of people hated it a lot of people did not like seeing Modoc in this movie and they did not like the CGI that he looked and I He agree. did look super weird. It looked weird at first. It it kind of gave me the uncanny valley we talked about this it gave yeah. me an uncanny valley vibe because it was just like freaky it just threw me off for a minute I, it kind of i don't know it kind of took me out of the movie almost because it, like it in comparison looked, to like, the like the detail and everything else the glass. that's yeah. what it looked like to me and compared to everything else yeah it looked really offsetting compared to everything yeah. that was going on i liked his character i thought he was funny in mm-hmm. it i thought he was a good character and my thing is, is I've never been a Modoc fan. I've always thought Modoc was this stupid, silly character that they kind of added into the comics that never mm-hmm. really did much. He was just kind of a goofball that got beat up pretty much every chance he got. Like the Avengers just constantly knocked the crap out of him, and <clears throat> so I never took him seriously, and I wasn't taking him seriously going into this movie. I was never like, "Oh my God, it's Modoc! This is gonna be so cool!" I'm just like in my head, I was thinking. Oh my god, it's Modok, a giant floating head in a chair. This is going to be kind of funny to see. And it was. It was funny to see this giant floating yep. head in a chair. And obviously he had his, all his weapons and everything. And he basically got shrunk down and Kang made him into this machine for mm-hmm. killing. Yeah. And basically was using him as a way to find out how to get out of the quantum realm in a way like he was basically like his bodyguard like his biggest bodyguard kind of thing and <clears throat> I enjoyed seeing Darren Cross in it I enjoyed seeing him back and in this movie and just doing something I thought that was really funny and he does a lot of weird funky things throughout most of it he is pretty like scary at times like you're like oh man well, he's gonna actually like take somebody out here um, and then with all that they get sent he ends up kidnapping them though and takes them back to Kang 
And that's where we get introduced finally to Kang the Conqueror. And <clears throat> that suit, whew, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful suit on Jonathan Majors. Honestly, like he looked amazing. I loved when like the face shield would come down and he would like be blue. Because in the comics, Kang the Conqueror has a blue face. Um, but like when his mask wasn't down, like he actually had the, was his normal skin tone. Um, and I thought that was like really cool that like they had that effect. He also still had like the lines down his face, like King does in the comics, but it was like a little different. Um, and I think I was just like in love with seeing him as King because we saw him as he who remains Mm -hmm. in the Loki series. And I was like, he like, like, cause he stresses like in that he was like, if you don't like me, you're not going to like my other variants. He's like, especially the Conqueror. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. And we finally get to meet him, and he doesn't hold back. No. Like, I mean, he you, you get introduced to him, and Ant-Man's like, well, I'm an Avenger. I'll stop you. And King's like, have I killed you before? And I was like, oh, no. And, I mean, this was in the trailer, so I wasn't that shocked, but then it's like, yeah, this is gonna be serious. Like, there's gonna be some serious. And then, like, he tries to make a deal with Scott. If Scott can go in and grab his time orb that controls, that basically powers his time chair. Um, if he can go in and grab it, he'll let them go, and yeah. he won't hurt their universe. He'll leave it alone, and he'll just go after no, everybody. He, else. I don't think he ever says that he wouldn't hurt the universe. He says he wouldn't hurt Cassie. That's what it was. Yeah, he would say that he wouldn't hurt Cassie. And, you know, Scott immediately is just like, no, I'm not doing this. Well, then... He starts to hurt Cassie. Well, no, he he first chokes Scott. Yeah. And, like, is pulling him, like, at the, like, electric fence and is, like, basically almost killing him. And Cassie's, like, trying to, like, yell at Kang to stop. And then Kang grabs her. Yeah. And starts hurting her. And then Scott immediately is just like... I'll do whatever you want. He's like, I'll do it. I'll just do it. And, like, when... Kang did that to Cassie. I was like, he just does not. Like, he will do no. anything to win. And, like, yeah. that's who Kang is. Like, Kang is the guy who will do anything to get the job done, and he will find a way to win if he can. And <clears throat> so eventually Scott does what Kang the Conqueror asks him, and he goes into this uh, realm of possibilities. Is that what it was? Possibility Some, storm. A possibility storm where if Ant-Man doesn't connect like he doesn't have like this one strict motive it's just gonna spiral out of control every possibility is is gonna be there's multiple of him yes and so we start to see that unravel and i think the one thing for me that i loved is you see him unraveling and he's trying to get to the core and like trying to shrink down the core and everything and that he's like unraveling slowly like all of them are like starting to like kind of go out of control and do their own thing and run around and i thought it was funny we also Got him in his Baskin Robbins uniform See, again. I kind of hated that. I know that you loved I it, that but was so the funny. continued Baskin Robbins joke is like, it's it's over. Like, can we move on? They did it a lot. In Somebody this movie said and I that. Didn't um, love it. Okay, so how many flavors of there is there of Baskin Robbins? Is it thirty one? Thirty one. Yeah. So this was supposed. I think this was the thirty first MCU movie. Oh, that's funny. And so then Kevin Feige, I think it is, but I'm not 100% sure. It's however many there are flavors of Baskin Robbins, that was like apparently the same number of movies that, and this was that one. And so I thought that was kind of funny that 
that ended up like that, and he worked for Baskin Robbins. Uh, but the thing that kind of brought him back together and leveled his head out into mm-hmm. all the possibility was hearing Cassie. Yeah, because Cassie I love that like, because there was like thousands upon thousands of possibilities. So there's thousands upon thousands of him, but in every single possibility. They he, all wanted Cassie. They back. all wanted Cassie. So like to that be was fun. how they all worked together to be able to reach their goal. And so yeah. I thought that, that was really sweet. That like in That's every version him. of himself. And then with he Wasp, to help Cassie. Wasp was coming in from the other side, and she was kind of splurting out into many possibilities. And she eventually like sees Scott. Yeah. And that was like another thing that they like kind of connected together, and they were fine, and they their possibilities merged, and they they got the orb pretty much. Yeah. And then you get the thing where Scott's like. All right, bring me Cassie and I'll give you the orb. And then Kang's like, "You're better off. She's better off without you." Yeah. And you're like, "Oh no!" And then he just basically kicks Scott Lane's ass. Yeah. And um, Hope Van Dyne's mm-hmm. like he just doesn't hold back and just waylays on them and takes the orb for himself. Because then he takes that and he takes Janet and cassie or did cassie get away i can't remember no cassie is kidnapped and then she eventually gets away later in the in the movie um but you get all that and then like it's just crazy to see how evil king really is throughout most of this movie and so then you have to try to formulate this plan and this is another thing that well okay well we need this to happen here it is and that's what comes up with the ants. Mm-hmm. Ants. Ants. Every time when he every time he said ants, I just immediately thought of the um, teaser trailer that they had or promotion that they did for the first Ant Man with um, it was Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, and they were basically just standing there, and then Michael Douglas starts slapping his legs, and like they're both padding. And then all of a sudden, Paul Rudd starts joining in and is patting his legs. And then Michael Douglas goes, ants. Ants. And then Paul Rudd just goes, ants. And then it does the trailer for the first Ant-Man movie. And it was just a stupid goofy. But every time he would say something about ants in this movie, I just immediately went to that commercial. Because he's just infatuated with ants. And I think that's so funny. Like, that was, like, the one thing that I just found most humorous in this movie was the fact that Hank Pym was just all ants all the time. Ants this, ants that, like. And, but <laughs> going back to that, um, they're, they're trying to figure out a way to save Janet, save Cassie, and stop Kang from leaving the quantum realm. Yeah. And it just so happens that these ants that came into the quantum realm with them actually went to this different area, like a time paradox area of the quantum realm. And they were every second that, that they were in the quantum realm, these ants were living lifetimes and they built this whole society of ants and they, they became super smart and intelligent. They built all this uh, and not gear. Just, and not just super smart and intelligent, super smart and intelligent about where they were and about Kang. Like yeah, they were... and they figured out a way to get back because they were like communicating with him like the whole time, so they eventually figure out a way to get back to Hank. And like some of them are huge, some of them are like smaller, and it's just, it's crazy to see how the different sizes are, and so the, now they have this giant ant army of mechanized ants that, for whatever reason, eventually disappear for a minute in the movie. <laughs> when they go on the raid to Kang, 
Like they just don't show up for a minute. And, yeah. And, but they like eventually like sneak in, and Cassie sneaks out, and you know, they're breaking into King's. And they call base. back all the rebels. Yeah, they call back all the rebels, and they're trying to save everyone. Like Cassie's in there actually doing work. Like she's rescuing rebels, getting them freed, and is basically they're about to put like a whole battle against Kang in the quantum realm right now and they eventually go and they fight Kang at his base and they're doing all this stuff and you know I'm trying to think some of the like CGI and it looked weird when Ant-Man was like really big it just felt like it threw me off a little bit I like seeing it but I think it looks the same as it always has yeah but it just I don't know to me because it was like in this whole it was basically everything was just CG mm-hmm. like nothing was like actually real or there or anything like that so it just felt weird to me <clears throat> but you get to this whole battle scene and I'm skipping over most of the stuff but then uh, Darren Cross is fight or Modoc sorry can't call him Darren Cross he is Modoc yeah. and um he's trying to take out Cassie. So he, like, he's chasing down Cassie because she's escaped and they're doing like this whole battle sequence kind of going on there and like all that's happening. And then eventually Cassie like uses one of the, ah, uh, I can't remember one of the growth discs yeah. and basically does what Scott did in one of the other ones. It basically makes herself into a giant man. Yeah. And, or giant woman, I should say. Uh, and she takes down Darren Cross, Modoc, and she's just like, why do you gotta be a dick? Yeah, he's kind like, of had this, like, heart-to-heart moment. Yeah, almost. they have this weird heart-to-heart with Modoc, and he's like, I don't know how to not be a dick. I'm just a dick. Like, look at me. I'm a dick. It's, and I was like, I thought it was kind of weird. What is going like, on? It was funny, but it was just super strange. Yeah, it just felt weird and cringy. But I liked, I like, I laughed at it. If I watched it again, I probably wouldn't laugh like I did the first time, because I was just like, this is so stupid. It's kind of funny the first time around. And um, we eventually get to <clears throat> the whole Kang versus Ant Man, like an actual like good fight. Like there wasn't really any fights in this movie. A lot of it was just kind of running around and doing weird things. Um, <clears throat> See, I I don't know. The last fight was good. I just I didn't like it. Yeah, not because, a lot like, happened. Only because like they showed all of this power that King had at the beginning, and then it was like he had none of that. Well, and I'm gonna go into that. Hold on. So, um, eventually, King does get the orb, and he's like powering up his chair, which is actually powering most of the city, and he's basically gonna lift the whole city up out of the quantum realm and into any multiverse that he really wants to go into. And Ant-Man's trying to stop him. They eventually stop him. Janet's doing her own thing and with the orb trying to get them to open up a portal to get back to their uh, realm or their universe. And so you get the Kang versus Ant-Man fight and of course Kang is pretty much taking down Ant-Man. But he's also just like, you have like the rebels who are running away and he's just killing rebels back and like just all of them and then like that was the part for me i was like holy crap like he like i mean he already knew he was pretty menacing but like that right there i was like this guy can if he gets out of this area he's going to be hard to take down like nobody's going to be able to stop him and um there he's like taking down all these rebels and then all of a sudden 
here comes the ants again. This ant army that, like, didn't really show up is now again there. And, like, there's a giant ant army. And going back off what you said is that Kang was shown with, like, all this power, but then felt like he really didn't have any. And I think because he was already getting pretty much worn down from fighting Ant-Man and all these rebels, and then now he's got all these ants, but he's trying to save himself because... And a lot of people had this problem that if King is so strong and he got taken down by a bunch of ants, but it was a bunch of smart ants. It was I know, but smart. Like he, it just mani- made it seem like he was so powerful yeah. at the beginning, just for him to like not have any of that power. Like it's not like he was overtaken. It's like he was just didn't have anything. Like he was just yeah. No, I don't know. It was super strange. I me. mean, and I kind of took it as like because I think honestly, I think if Thanos went against all of these ants, these big ass ants without his gauntlet I think the same thing probably would have happened I think he could have been taken down with all these ants because they were very smart ants they had like weaponry basically on them they came in various sizes like there was huge ones there was teeny tiny ones and like ones that were the size of humans like just taking like on um Kang and there was a thousand like over a thousand of them there was like a billion of them just like coming at Kang and so I think he was, like, trying to protect himself because he, like, throws up that bubble to, like, shield himself. And, like, they're, like, crawling over him trying to get in. And he's, like, pushing them back and, like, killing them as they kind of, like, get in. But he's, like, trying to keep himself safe because he knows that if once they get in and take him out, like, he's probably done for. And, of course, eventually they do. They get in they take him out. And that did felt weird because it felt like... And, again, this falls onto the... It felt rushed, a lot of it. That was my problem. A lot of it felt rushed. Yeah, it definitely did. And so, I don't know. We get to that moment. Are you done? Not my ears just ringing. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. Uh, but you get to that, like, they eventually, like, beat Kang. Quote, unquote, beat Kang. Because they, they, they think the ants took him out. And so they go up to his, uh, basically, room with the time chair and the time orb and they... Janet Van Dyne opens up a portal to go back to their universe. And as they're like all hopping through, here comes King. He's back. And he's like, he's like kind of messed up because the ants kind of did a number to him. And again, that's, I don't know if it's because the ants did so much work on him that like he wasn't as strong as he could have been. I don't know what it was for that, but it definitely felt a little weird that he couldn't take on Ant-Man all of a sudden. I mean, he's still he's still yeah. pretty much late Ant-Man. Like, Ant-Man did not come out of there not scraped up because yeah. Ant-Man's helmet was destroyed. I mean, Kang really did a number on Like, he had broken ribs and everything. Like, Kang messed him up in that time room. And I think I like that little fight more than any of the fights yeah, that we've seen since, or before then. Just because, like, Ant-Man is so much the underdog. Like, he really do- can't do much besides shrink and grow. And, I mean, yeah, he can shrink and then jump and tap, and, like, he kind of hits you with ten times, like, his normal strength kind of situation. But, like, at the same time, it's Kang the Conqueror. Like, even yeah. you doing that, like, it's not going to do a lot to him. And so, like, we go through that, like, little fight, and... 
Kang's like, what makes you think you're going to win? And Ant-Man's like, or Paul, Paul, Scott Lang's like, I don't have to win. I just have to make sure you lose. And again, that was one thing that was in the trailer that was kind of like, I wish that wasn't in the trailer. Yeah. Because <laughs> They I gave like, way too much in the trailer, yeah, for did. sure. And <clears throat> so we get that like little fight and eventually Hope Van Dyne shoots back through. Mm-hmm. And she ends up fighting, and the portal closes, and we think that they're going to be trapped there as they're still fighting Kang, and they're trying to take out Kang so he can't get back out. And the little time ball ends up powering up again. I think it might have been turned on the whole time. But then, like, I can't remember exactly what happened, but he gets pushed into the ball, and then basically, people say he's dead. I don't think he is. This is where my theory kind of comes in, and I'll explain it more, but he basically, I guess, gets sucked into the ball? That I don't know what really happened. And so I have my own, like, little thought on that, and I'll get into it. But then, you know, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne are kind of standing there at the top of this tower, and they're like, well, we won. We saved all these people. And then the portal opens up again, and they leave. Yeah, like, that was weird. See, I liked it. I saw it where somebody on TikTok was talking about how like they didn't like it, but I thought it was sweet because they were like overlooking like all of the work that they did, and they weren't worried because they knew that Cassie could open it again. Yeah, like it was like they like they knew that she was smart enough, they knew that she was capable enough to open it to again, open so it they again. weren't worried. Like they yeah, were like, what just, like that Cassie's gonna open this, and we're gonna walk back right back through and go home. Yeah. Like <clears> I took it as like they had faith in Cassie, not that it was just kind of like. I don't know. Like, that's how yeah. I took it. But uh, One thing I did find out is that apparently three weeks before the movie released, they went back and did reshoots. Oh. And they reshot that whole entire, like, ending. Interesting. I think the original ending for this movie was that they got stuck in the quantum realm, which was basically, it would have just been a copy and paste ending from the last movie. And so they went, well, we can't do the same thing we did in the last movie again, except yeah. now... The wasp is also stuck in this area with Ant Man, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of glad that they did change that because I would have really been like, they're just repeating, and he's probably gonna be stuck there until Secret Wars or something like that, and then he'd come or King Dynasty, and then he'll come back out. But apparently they did reshoot this, and then he came back, or they changed it, and he was out, and they like celebrated and. He gave Cassie a birthday because he's missed so many birthdays. And yeah. I thought that was really sweet. <clears throat> and then, but he, in the back of his head, he's like. He's like having this internal monologue about he's like, like, everything's I so good. The world. I stopped, I stopped Kang from or did destroying. I? And he goes, wait, or did I? And then like, he's like, no, I definitely did. Or wait. And like, he goes back and forth for a minute and then just kind of like, no, I totally stopped him. And then kind of carries on with his day. And this is where my theory comes into that I don't think that that King the Conqueror is actually dead. Yeah. I think that that King the Conqueror, because that orb obviously holds the um, uh, possibilities. What was it again? Uh, Possibility Storm. A Possibility Storm. I think that King got pulled into the Possibility Storm. What I think is going to happen is we won't really see from anything from this King for a while. But he's going to be in this possibility storm. And obviously, if Scott Lang can figure out a way to get out of it, get out of it I think he can as well. The only reason he didn't originally go into it is because if he can find another guinea pig to do it, and he also needed somebody to shrink the orb down to a size that he could use. Um, 
But I think that if he, I think if Scott Lang can do it, I think that Kane the Conqueror can also figure out a way to connect all of his possibilities, all of these minds, and figure out a way to get out. And I think one thing that um, is going to happen is that he is going to do that. And there is one character that I think because he does all this, he's going to end up becoming. And that character is the Beyonder. And what the Beyonder is, is he's the one that basically, he's one of the many who pulled a lot of the superheroes into the Secret Wars timeline, or not timeline, but into that Secret Wars fight. It was Beyonder, and he's like this all-powerful being, and I think because King the Conqueror is going to be stuck in this possibility storm, learning all the different possibilities, learning how to grow his strength, grow his mind, grow his power, he's going to become this like all-powerful being, which is the Beyonder, and he's going to be the one. That's why like they're going from the King Dynasty to Secret Wars, because I think this King the Conqueror is going to be the one to start the Secret Wars. That and I sense. think that's going to be pretty interesting to see. So that's my thoughts on it. I don't know if that's actually how they're going to do it or not, but I think that's... I mean, in my opinion, that seems like it's how it's going to kind of go. I don't know if that is, and I think that would be really interesting to see if it does. <clears throat> I mean, I would love it, obviously, because I came up with it. But like, I don't know how they're going to do it. take credit. Yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> There was something else I was gonna say, but I honestly cannot remember. When we get to the 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 end credit scene, or there's two different end credit scenes in this. We get the one where we meet all of the different king, or we meet the Council of Kings, and I thought that was really interesting. A lot of people didn't care for it because they thought we were like, all these kings look really weird, <laughs> and I kind of liked it because we see Rumatut, who is who could honestly be. Because he is a king, and he also at one point fought against the Fantastic Four. Like, he was a pretty continual Fantastic Four villain in a comic run. I think we could see him, like, that variant of Kang come back and fight against the Fantastic Four, and, like, maybe in their first outing or, like, another outing in the future or something like that. He's gonna, I feel like that one's gonna come back, and, um, Obviously, if you've read the comics and you know this, you know that the Ramatut is like it's Nathan Richards from the who traveled to the past and like uh, it's like a bunch of different stuff. But he's basically an ancestor of uh, Reed Richards, and so I'm curious how they're gonna if they're gonna continue the Nathan Richards stuff and like he is a lineage of. Like, if Reed Richards is kind of related to King the Conqueror, how they're going to play that in, or, I don't, I mean, if they don't do it, I, it's no, I'm not really that upset about it, but I think it would be interesting. I want to see how they kind of play that if they do it that way. Obviously, They have a door open if they choose. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would be really interesting to see, like, I mean, I know a lot of people got mad about the fantastic, or fan-four-stick with um, Michael B. Jordan, who played the Human Torch. People got so mad about that because they were like, Human Torch can't be black. I was like, why does it matter? It's a comic book character. And so I think it would actually be kind of interesting because Kang is obviously black. Like, I think it would be really interesting because he's technically a descendant or an ancestor of Reed Richards. If Reed Richards was black, it would make sense. Instead of making him a white character that 
And, yeah. I mean, unless they obviously didn't do the whole ancestry thing with Nathan Richards and everything. But I think that would be pretty interesting. <clears throat> and then another thing that I want to say, or the, and then the other uh, in credit scene was basically just a teaser trailer for season two of Loki. Yeah. And it did say at the end of, of course, they could have just said that because there's a bunch, there's a couple different Kang the Conquerors, but they did say Kang the Conqueror will return. I don't know. They might be talking I about. I thought I just the, said Kang will return. Did it? I thought it might have said Kang the Conqueror. I'm pretty sure it just said Kang. Oh, well. Because you would have had a heyday with yeah, that. Yeah, I would have had Kang a heyday. The yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they said that. The other thing I wanted to point out, this is going to be my last thing that I say. Um, the thing with this movie, though I had a lot of really good time with it, I enjoyed what it was, and I would watch it again. I liked it more than Eternals. I thought it was fun. It was a good time. I enjoyed it for what it was, it being an Ant-Man movie. And I think really what this is, it is a movie for the Ant-Man family to explain to people who don't know about Kang the Conqueror, besides Loki, who is like way out in the stratosphere doing his thing with the TVA, who eventually might come back into the fold, but like the Ant family is going to be that way to explain who Kang the Conqueror is. Yeah. That's how they're playing this off. And people are getting mad because like they didn't, this movie was pointless. Well, it wasn't because this family is going to be the ones to explain to everyone else in the MCU when Loki shows up and is like, there's somebody coming. Yeah. And nobody believes Loki because it's Loki. He's a bad guy. Nobody's going to believe him because, I mean, they've never seen Loki do a good thing besides uh, Bruce Banner. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess Thor. <laughs> Thor would be very happy to see his brother again. Um, I forgot that Thor is still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, like, nobody's going to really believe Loki. And you have this ant family who, when they hear the word king... They're going to yeah. know, like, who he's talking about, and they're going to be like, listen, this is serious. Yeah. We have, it's basically going to be that Hulk busting through the Sanctum, Sanctum Sanctorum and saying, Thanos, Thanos is coming, which was very similar. It was supposed to be the Silver Surfer in the comics, but whatever. I don't know. I like seeing Hulk shoot through the sky and blast in and say, Thanos is coming. And so, like, they're going to be the ones to explain who Thanos is, or who Kang is, who this new big bad who has a million different variants across so many different universes who have destroyed their own universe and many others. And obviously we'll see like the Kang War where the Kangs kind of start killing each other off and that whole thing. Um, but yeah, no, I really did enjoy this movie. Uh, I would probably watch it again. I'm excited to see more from the Ant Fam, Ant, like Ant Man family, and seeing what they do from like this point yeah, forward. Um, <clears throat> if you guys have any other thoughts that I like, if you have a differing opinion of this movie that I did not say, you can go ahead and email me at outloudawkwardpod at gmail dot com. You can also follow me on my social medias, which are outloud ampersand awkward. On Instagram and Twitter, I tend to post updates on when the episodes are coming out on my story and then post when the episode is actually out on my Instagram. So if you want to check those out, please go ahead and check those out. Um, I think that's really all I wanted to say. I did enjoy this movie. I think 
It's definitely not the best MCU movie. It's the it's the best MCU movie of Phase Five. It's the only MCU movie of Phase Five. You're right, but it's the best so far. So it's got that going for it right now. Um, but you have any other thoughts? No, I think so. All right. Well, I think that's where we're gonna leave it off, and I hope you all did enjoy. Well, well, I will talk to you guys in the next one. Peace out, everybody.